Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815, on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook Pre-Arb Excellence group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Hatches Slider and Sandy Alcantara. And ask me questions if I was confusing. I don't know if this is going to qualify as my game preview, but it might. It might. And it also provides a nice synopsis of why I'm here. Why I'm here doing deeper dives, looking for stuff, trying to explain things, and be a source for Cubs fans who are interested in... Well, I'll get to that in a minute. On my Twitter feed today, I noticed after Thomas Hatch had been removed, Darren Pritchett was noting that Hatch had been told in his time with the Cubs to get rid of his slider. So he got rid of his slider... And eventually, when David Phelps became available in 2019 for trade, the Cubs got rid of Thomas Hatch. It's not that they were necessarily tired of him. It's not necessarily that they didn't like him or didn't want him around or anything like that. That was what the trade was. The Jays wanted Thomas Hatch. The Cubs wanted David Phelps. And there you go. Upon getting to the Jays organization, The Jays told him to start pitching his slider more, and he did so. And Thomas Hatch broke camp with the parent club for Toronto this year and stayed at the major league level, I think, for the entire season and had a really good season. He was used in relief against Tampa today uh, in game one. So that would be Tuesday. And pitched rather well. And afterwards, he was told, or he was asked about it, and he was told that the Cubs had told him to junk his slider, and he did. Part of what I'm trying to do is run a bit of a delicate balance. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Cubs fan. I'm not going to say you're definitely a Cubs fan, but you're probably a Cubs fan. And as a Cubs fan, you probably like to hear the good news about the Cubs. So if there is good news about the Cubs, I should talk about the good news about the Cubs. Agreed. Not a problem. Somebody gets named Player of the Week, Player of the Month. I will try to let you know that. But if the Cubs screw up, Should I tell you about that? If the Cubs make a bad value judgment, should I tell you about that? My goal is the deeper dive stuff. What works? What doesn't? Why? Are there things that, because this happened, that other thing became obvious? That's deeper dive stuff. 
we don't have access to all the information. So what we have to do to provide as full of content as we possibly can is tell you when the Cubs did something that backfired. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps the Cubs should have realized sooner Thomas Hatch was a starter with the Cubs. He was a starter immediately. He was a starter on through. Got traded to the Jays, and they quickly decided, you know what, we want to make you a fastball slider reliever guy for one inning. And it worked. The Cubs had the chance to do that. They opted against. Does that make the Cubs horrible at anything? No, it doesn't. They made a value judgment. They wanted to continue on with Hatch as a starting pitcher. Perhaps if they would have kept Hatch and not traded him for Phelps, he would have been very good as a starting pitcher. That we don't know. Perhaps he would have been better off as a starting pitcher with his slider being junked. That we don't know. However, what we do know is... As he's made it to the major leagues and is pitching in the postseason for the Toronto Blue Jays and did a fairly good job against a really good Blue Jay, uh, Tampa Bay Rays team today, there's some success there that the Cubs opted out of. The Cubs preferred David Phelps for, what, a month, month and a half, over Thomas Hatch for six years. That's a value judgment. They valued the current over the future. Part of the job here is to assess were proper decisions made. And sometimes we don't have total enough information for it to work. David Phelps did help the bullpen last year. Could the Cubs have done things differently? Would things have worked better if they did things differently? One thing that I think ended up happening, because David Phelps got used so much and some of the other younger, less established arms were not used as much, it became somewhat obvious to the front office that Joe Madden probably wasn't going in the direction the front office wanted to go. Because the front office isn't going to tell the manager, this is the batch of relievers you should use. That doesn't work well. The manager is given the job to manage the team. The front office obtains the personnel. The personnel is turned over to the manager, and the manager does what he can was a poor value judgment made with Thomas Hatch? That's a perfectly valid question. And there is evidence that perhaps maybe the Cubs screwed up. One incidental case isn't proof of negligence, but as there is one case of potential malfeasance, it should be pointed out. On the other hand, 
The Cubs picked up Jason Adam. He's done rather well. So it's going to be a mix and match sort of a thing. The goal should be having the eyes in the right place. If the goal is we have to be better than the Cardinals and the Brewers. We have to be better than the Cardinals and the Brewers. We have to be better than the Cardinals and the Brewers. Well, if that's if that's the goal, that's where the vision is going to be. If the goal is the Dodgers and the Rays are kicking our butts every year as far as talent development and talent evaluation, why is it that they're scalding us we have to improve that or else we will lose to them for a long time. If that's the mindset, you will have different ways of looking at things. Thanks so much for tuning in as I look at the numbers. I'm amazed with how good you guys are as far as tuning in. And that drives me to do a better job doing podcasts because if you guys are actually going to listen, then I'd better do my level best to make sure that the podcasts are all worth listening to. As you hear one that you think a friend might be interested in, feel free in linking that podcast to them. I will help you with that should you be interested. But you guys are probably a whole lot better at techie stuff than I am, most of you. Um, hit like hit share, hit follow, hit retweet, hit subscribe, all that kind of stuff that you do on social media. Anchor allows sponsorships if you're interested in that. And I really can't emphasize accurately enough how much I appreciate you guys listening and caring about the deeper dive stuff regarding the Cubs. So as I continue on, I'm going to ask the hard questions, and sometimes I'm not going to have an answer. Um, I have a concurrent rabbit hole that I am traveling down that has nothing to do with the Cubs. And as I listen to people in this rabbit hole doing their research, I'm reminded how important research is. And today, I said, you know what? It would be nice if there were a way to assess the umpires. I mentioned the umpiring crew. And the umpires for the first two games are Pat Hoberg and Will Little. So I said, you know, it'd be really cool if... And I tried to figure out Brooks Baseball's website. I know one of the people online who does it. And it's probably a wonderful site, but until I actually understand how I'm transversing through the website, I can't find a darn thing what that I'm looking for. So I did what I do. I figured I want to find out if Pat Hoberg or Will Little, the umpires for the first two games, have umpired in games that are going to involve either of the two pitchers they have faced over a recent time frame. I came up with two examples. In the opener, Pat Hoberg will be umpiring. I'm not going to worry a whole lot about Kyle Hendricks. He might give up a home run. 
probably won't be a walked runner on base in front of said home run. We know what we're generally getting out of Kyle Hendricks. And if he does his job, he should keep the Cubs in the game. But I was kind of interested in Sandy Alcantara. How did Sandy Alcantara do in a recent start with Pat Hoberg as the umpire? It looks like, well, this year the umpiring crews stayed in a region. So the umpires that were in the Central Division were not going to the East or the West. The umpires that were in the East weren't going to the Central or the West. So teams tended to see many of the same umpiring crews for better and worse in 2020. So in 2020, Sandy Alcantara did not really have a chance to have Pat Hoberg as his home plate umpire. So I went back to 2019 and started at the very start. And what do you know? In Sandy Alcantara's first start in 2019, March 31st, 2019, against the Rockies, the home plate umpire was Pat Hoberg. March, 20, uh, March 31st, 2019, Sandy Alcantara, eight innings pitched, four hits, no walks, six strikeouts against the Rockies in Miami, a 3-1 to one win for Alcantara. If you're thinking that the Cubs are going to win 7-2 because I've never heard of Sandy Alcantara, you probably haven't done enough homework. The Cubs could win 7-2, but it won't be because Sandy Alcantara is a bad pitcher. I have no problem with people saying the Cubs are going to win the series. I have no problem with people saying the Marlins are going to win the series. What I do have a problem with is someone thinking they know what's going to happen because the other team is ob obviously crap because they haven't heard of the players. Do some homework. Learn what the players on the other team do. Sandy Alcantara against Pat Hoberg pitched an eight-inning shutout against the Rockies. What is your evidence that Sandy Alcantara is going to get ripped to shreds? It should be a very good game. Tomorrow's game, I'll put it to you this way. Today, whichever team got a three-run lead first won the game. I'm pretty sure whichever team got a two-run lead first won the game. I would not be surprised at all for that to continue in the Cubs game. If someone gets out to a 2 to nothing lead, to me, that might look, especially if it gets to the third or fourth inning, like a 5 to nothing lead. Because these two pitchers are really good. And... There's no reason to think that either one of them is going to give back a huge lead. And both bullpens are completely rested. The Marlins bullpen appears to be good and probably deeper than the Cubs bullpen. So, 
when people do the I am a Cubs fan, so I think that the Cubs are going to win thing, that seems like flag waving, which is fine if that's what you're into. And flag waving, if the flag is worthy of being honored, is great. But if you're just saying, I'm a Cubs fan, so I think the Cubs are going to win, that's a lack of homework. That's an absolute lack of homework. If it's, I want the Cubs to win and I refuse to do any homework or I don't want to do any homework because I don't want to be any more knowledgeable of the other team because then I might find... That's that's not what we're looking for here. What we're trying to do is locate any evidence such as we can, respect the opposition, and see which teams actually seem to make more sense. Whichever team gets out to a two-run, three-run lead, they're probably in really good shape because both pitchers are very good. And I think if either team is allowed to, let's say it gets four to nothing to the seventh inning, Say it's four to one, four to nothing, four to one. I think, uh, I think all three, all four of the games today ended up three to one at some point, and two of them were four to one in the ninth inning at the same time. So, I the possibility of someone being up three to nothing, four to nothing, four to one, as the games creep to the seventh or eighth innings, is completely believable. And whichever team that is, both of them have bullpens that look like they ought to be able to get six or seven outs. Similarly, Alcantara is more than capable of tossing six or seven innings. And the Marlins bullpen is certainly capable of getting nine outs, if that's what's needed. Both teams' offenses have to show up for them to have much of a chance. And I don't see both offenses necessarily showing up. I don't necessarily see both teams scoring two runs. Three to one, four to one, three to nothing. Either way, that's how I kind of see how this game goes. Um, And if you think you're being a better Cubs fan by saying... I am a Cubs fan, and because of that, I want the Cubs to win. So that, but so because of that, I think the Cubs are going to win. So I'm a better Cubs fan than you are because I think the Cubs are going to sweep the series. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're here for. We're trying to assess what is available and find out what is going to happen now and on into the future. And what is going to happen now and on into the future will be determined by approach, People staying healthy, good fortune, maybe a call from the umpire here or there. But either team can win this in two. Either team can win this in three. But with Alcantara against Hendricks, if you're expecting something to be seven to four or eleven to three, I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it either way. And I almost am happy that I have some other games to be minding 
because at some points I might have to mind other games because I might get a little bit stressed. Perhaps you saw what I mean when Billy Bean was mentioned in either the book or the movie Moneyball. Yeah, I kind of get stressed during games. And I'm better off sometimes paying attention to something else to take my mind off of it. If the game is 11 to 2, one way or the other, then I'm not nearly as stressed. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon, as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go, and be nice to people.